Not content with your content? You've come to the right place. The Discontent Show with Joe Kuzma. Every brand starts with a story. Here's how you can grow your business by sharing it. Now, with today's topic, the host of The Discontent Show, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Discontent Show. My name is Joe Kuzma, and I'm here to continue to help give you tips and tricks to improve your content marketing. And one thing that I've been getting a lot of questions on as of late from uh, listeners and readers, what to do about email marketing. Of course, you know, you could go out there and try and use, well, I'm going to tell you all the do's and don'ts right here. Because I, I know some folks want to use just they want to go out and use Outlook. They want to use their Apple Mail and many times your email providers. Now, if you have a very small list of people that you're trying to reach, people that you know, I'm talking 20, maybe 30, depends on the host, really does. And you're trying to reach them, you could you could shoot over a little email. Usually it's just going to be text. It's just going to be the same type of email that you send to friends and family. But if you want something a little fancier... You see all the time, you see kind of sales newsletters, you're getting something from a pizza place or or a retail store or or some other newsletter that you subscribe to from a a different business or organization. And you think, how do they do that? Well, more than likely what they're using is an email marketing program. There's many, many different ones out there. Among the most popular you may see advertised are Constant Contact and MailChimp. But even using those sometimes, especially Constant Contact, unless they've changed recently because I abandoned ship a long time ago having to hand code a lot of stuff for that particular platform. Uh, you know, it, the easier ones probably MailChimp and they give you templates and they allow you to blast out emails maybe to a thousand, two thousand people on up and some of those uh, different plans that they offer are definitely paid services but they also have a high reputation and allow your emails to be delivered and just, you know, not sh- go into the oblivion, not be flagged as spam or end up in someone's junk mail, which by the way, uh, if you are a novice, those two words, spam and junk are interchangeable. So how do we avoid that? How do we reach an audience with email marketing? Well, the number one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize when you get into this sort of deal is that you have to cultivate your own lists. And hopefully, on top of that, I know some people don't always play by the rules, but there are laws. There's been a can spam law since 2000. And, uh, I think it actually was written in 2003 and became law at the beginning of 2004, where the Federal Trade Commission can actually fine you and different ISPs, internet service providers, have fined people for just sending junk email, sending spam. And it just sounds silly, but you know this goes along the same lines as if you you know steal someone's photograph without permission, giddy images may come after you and send you a bill. It's no different than what we heard about you know if you're old enough to remember Napster or some of these other programs that allowed you to download MP3s, and everyone thought you know hey this is all good, this is free, and some people got sued for lots and lots of money. You don't want to get your hands caught in the cookie jar here with any of these programs. In fact, if you try and upload a list 
that's just maybe too big or just looks like it's bogus that you bought it from somewhere, for example, or even regional chamber lists. I know people that belong to different organizations such as that or like a BBB, Better Business Bureau. They're not going to allow you to just upload those lists. They have to, in fact, be something like let's let's say you belong to a certain um, a certain trade organization or something like small, like a local regional chapter of I don't know fast food restaurants or something of that nature, and you're you're the president or vice president or, or secretary of this chapter, and then you have everyone's email address. That's probably something that's going to fly a lot better as far as not having to have everyone do what's called an opt-in or a double opt-in where they not only sign up for your newsletter, but then on the double, that e- an email will get sent to them and then they also have to verify in a link there. But when you're using one of these uh, bigger named programs like a MailChimp or Constant Contact, you have an advantage over just Outlook. Number one is you're going to be able to send to many more people at once. And if you end up, uh, depending on who your web hosting provider or your internet or your email provider or internet service provider is, whoever's providing your email address and email services right now, they may only allow you up to, I've seen about the average is 250 relays is what they call it per hour. And what a relay is and what that means is that you send an email, you hit the send button, that's one relay. You receive one in your inbox, that's a relay. You reply to an email, that's a relay. So if you're trying to go hit 1,500 people in a day, you're going you're gonna to hit the limit within that first hour and it's not going to go through and it just doesn't work. Some other things to keep in mind as far as junk and spam things are concerned, aside from just trying to list build, which is everyone's challenge, including myself. I have my own uh, email newsletter over on JoeKuzma.com that you could sign up for for some valuable tips. And I like to let people know when some new episodes of this program come out as well. But it's just the same challenge with myself is, you know, what is it? How do you get people to sign up for your list? Those things are going to be coming in a future episode as far as that's concerned. But today we're going to stick to the nuts and bolts of how do I send a successful email campaign? And what happens is when you use one of these more premium type enterprise I don't really want to call it enterprise. I don't want anyone to think that if you're running a business by yourself, you can't go out and sign up for MailChimp. You most certainly can, and it will cost you little to nothing in the very beginning. When you become successful, uh, then you have to pay a little more, pony up some more money. I believe it's uh, uh, anything over 2,000 subscribers for MailChimp. I'm not sure that Constant Contact has a free version. And, of course, there's other uh, competitors that are out there too, but these ones have a, a very high delivery rate, and that's because they're they're strict and they st- they play within within the laws of not only what you know the FTC tells them they could do with the can spam act but they also play within the rules of the internet as far as what's going to get flagged by spam or junk by basically the four big email providers out there I already mentioned uh, Outlook as software but my, uh, Microsoft has turned that into a web service outlook.com it also you'll probably familiar with live.com, Hotmail. That's all Microsoft stuff right there. So they're one of the big four. Obviously, Google and their Gmail platform, another big one, AOL. Lots of people still have AOL email addresses that I know, and also Yahoo. So you got the maybe 
two or three bastions of you know the early internet hanging around there maybe reinventing themselves and then of course google coming along with gmail and they're always competing with one another and there's others obviously like apple icloud and things of that nature and all those kind of factor into you know how your emails are going to be formatted as well and i'm going to speak about that because i'm always fielding questions about can you use fancier text can you do this bolder or bigger or anything like that well just on the very basic some email comes through as html and html if you're not familiar with that it's your basic markup language that's the foundation of pretty much anything you view on a computer screen through a web browser but your email uh program and your email provider those those also come can come through in this html language and that's how you get you see text that's in bold or you see an image or something like that now if you put everything in an image you know what's going to happen is is someone that's only receiving plain text emails which someone individuals do this still to this day because they like to avoid junk mail they like to avoid viruses and anything that can harm their computer or phishing scams or any of these other things that could come through your email they'll get it in plain text what that means is no bold no italicized it is just just a bunch of letters and words on the screen and just a plain font with no style, no links, and no photos or images. So if you want to make these big fancy emails and, you know, I think of an event poster, for example, you have the date on it, the location, uh, the time, what it costs, if there's, if it's something, uh, what it benefits or who the headliner is of it on this poster. And if you haven't written any of these details uh, in just, in just text uh, on, in your email without the image, then the people who receive this as plain text or, as you'll see, some email programs do by default. They block images from either unknown senders or thinking it could be malicious. And you're not going to get to see a preview of anything. So please be careful with that. There's always a good mix of photos, and we're going to call it copy, copy content. That is the words that you write. Now, it doesn't mean you can't use bold or italics here or there. Please, once again, this is my same, uh, th this is the right for the web. I'm doing air quotes here because it's the same lecture I had when I was talking about blogging that you don't want to underline text because you may confuse your readers, your intended audience, into thinking they could click on something and they can't. And, you know, I I've seen it all. I've seen some emails that just look absolutely uh, just miserable. Lots of red text. Red, by the way, is one of the most abrasive colors for your eyes to read. You kind of want to avoid that. Uh, you, you might get lucky, though. Some of these things are going to come through. They might come through uh, Outlook.com or Gmail and look just fine. There's other times where they won't because I just named four platforms, but there's at least a, a variety of them. We could be talking 30, 40, 50, and they all play by their different rules. You want to double space paragraphs? Well, Gmail is going to say, well, I don't see that extra space there. We're going to single space it where Microsoft is like, okay, cool. We see all everything you're doing here with your fancy formatting. So try to avoid spending too much time on not just getting to the point with your actual content of the email. Uh, you know, links are okay. You don't want to maybe overdo it. Too many links might get your hand slapped. It's going to go into the junk mail box. Uh, same thing if you're trying to send attachments, PDFs these days. You know, there's uh, that's the most popular format 
to send a lot of stuff in. And unfortunately, it's also one of the ones that uh, anyone that's up to no good, uh, a hacker or whatever, might try and compromise your system. And so people tend to avoid that in email systems. They have these robots, mind you. There's not somebody there, you know, stamping the approval and allowing it to go through. It's just an algorithm. It's a formula. It's going to detect a certain level of whatever that you've done. Too much fancy formatting, too many links, too many pictures or images, attachments, those sorts of things. It's going to get it sent into the junk bin and maybe maybe never seen by your intended audience. And obviously, of course, I talk about the intended audience just to jump back to the lists for a second. If you happen to try and fly under the radar and you know buy a list or send to a list that you don't necessarily have permission to send to, and let's just say it's one of these lists you buy, I've been down this road before. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, this is supposed to be reputable. It's supposed to be a list of X amount of people within this industry you're trying to target. And then all of a sudden, uh, you buy 400 email addresses and 125 of them bounce back. That is, they don't exist anymore. Or for whatever reason, the message doesn't go through. It's going to get your account shut down in a lot of cases. Set up for review and or deleted. It's going to hurt your reputation, your email newsletter, in your business or brand, it, it just it's not worth doing anything like that because you're actually being counterproductive to your efforts just uh, just through your own normal means. Ask permission for someone's email address if and when you can. But back to things that'll keep you out of the junk mailbox. I was talking a little about formatting. If you stick to some of the templates or you have like a professional designer or somebody that works with that stuff, such as myself. We can format email marketing campaigns and make sure because it's like it's a very basic you gotta think like early Windows ninety five web websites, internet. You got to keep it about as basic and simple as possible so it looks as consistent as it can for as many email platforms that are out there. And also on top of the HTML and plain text people, you may even have rich text as well. So there's multiple formats to receiving email, but HTML and plain text, usually the two most popular. And if you happen to use one of these, um, like I say, uh, premium type services like a MailChimp or Constant Contact, many times Times they'll either give you the option of putting your plain text in on a second screen or it'll automatically format that for you so that you have a higher probability of reaching someone's inbox instead of ending up in spam. But there's also some other stuff you should be aware of. There are certain words, if you get too salesy, you get too, into too much marketing mode uh, that might get you flagged. Just keep that in mind as well. There's no... Um, what do you want to say, tried and true list that you're going to look for out there. But you could probably think of, you know, if you put something in the subject line, like the word buy, there's certain stop words. And that stuff's always changing all the time. If you want to go and look up some uh, example stop words that may fit your practice, your business or industry or whatever it is that you're involved in, just do a, a quick Google search for the term stop words and that'll help you out. 
but you never want to use uh, deceptive, let's say, headers or subject lines or anything of that nature. A header is going to be like your from name. should be a real name or your business's name. It shouldn't be, hey, buy X widget uh, from Y whatever address. You want to use real email addresses. Oftentimes, you'll have to verify those with whatever service provider you're using for email marketing. Same with the subject lines. I already talked about stop words. You're going to want to be descriptive. You don't want them to be too long. Also, you got to kind to think about this just from the marketing standpoint, email marketing, right? If you do this and it's too tacky, too spammy, it just comes off wrong. Someone's not even going to open the email if you do arrive in their inbox. So the biggest thing is, is almost you just got to be honest with people when you send these emails. One other thing that's huge on this with the Can Spam Act, and this is included too when you work with these bigger providers, is you got to have an unsubscribe link, a way for people to no longer receive your email, and you have to allow that to continue working for at least 30 days after sending the email. So you just can't be sly and have an unsubscribe link for a day and pull it down. And a lot of times that unsubscribe link is going to be reciprocal to that service you're using. That's not something you have to set up uh, aside uh, from just you know, having a MailChimp account, for example. So these aren't extra things, and it's all part of setting up an account there. Usually it's a one-time type of deal, unless you're trying to run uh, multiple businesses out of one account, which I don't necessarily recommend because you're going to end up mixing lists, mixing uh, to and from names, and if you goof on one of those, trust me, it's going to look really bad to the people that you're sending it to. might get you more unsubscribes and bounces, which is going to, again, negatively impact your ability to send email in the the future and doesn't help grow your business. You also have to have a physical mailing address that somebody could, believe it or not, send a letter to. It's happened. I've seen it. I've received them. Remove me from your mailing list because not everybody in the world is very technical. Uh, I know there's people, I think about my mom or dad that are, you know, grandparents right now and barely get on the internet. They're not versed in email. They don't know what it, we don't even know what unsubscribe means. And I know some people are probably chuckling at that thought, but a physical mailing address, they're going to write a letter. That's the way it used to be, right? Write a letter. So you got to be careful with some of these things <clears throat> that have gone into effect. And it's not just the um, the, the can spam is a U.S. Uh, law, so to speak. But if you're doing things like overseas, international business, there are many similar rules on the books if you look at Canada, the U.K., and other places. Um, but just remember that, you know, if you end up having an email because it, it's not, uh, you go in, you don't format it to look clean, pretty, make sure there's paragraphs, these run-on sentences and things like that, just a little bit of mas mastery of the English language and some grammar is going to go a long way. Don't overdo it on bold or italics. Avoid underlines. Use headers. Write as though it's also a blog post. You can use some photos, but don't overdo it. Uh, in the worst case scenario, what you really should do is, because a lot of people receive a lot of email, don't bombard them with a 2,000-word email. Unless this is really the only way you can reach them, what you should end up doing is, is writing a small blurb, like a preview to something that you have on your website, such as a blog post. Put the 2,000 words on your website because people are going to see it there. Remember, I'm a big proponent of you owning your content 
Email is something that you can own, but you also got to remember it's also in the moment. It's If it gets to the inbox and past the junk mail filters, somebody has to click on it. When somebody clicks on it, they have to have enough time to read it. And if there's just a link that's there, it's going to send them to your website. And we're always trying to do that with social media, something we have no control over. But email, they might keep it in their inbox. They might archive it or book link or bookmark that, put it in a folder, save for later. It's a lot more reliable than sending a tweet that disappears within an hour. And with email as well, you should be reaching an, an intended audience that you've built a list up of, and they want to receive your emails. So these are some ideas here. I hope this helps everyone at least get off the ground with some of the email marketing and try and avoid the spam filter. And of course, like I said, if it goes directly from your website, bouncing around here just a little bit, but if they go from your email to your website, that's even more of a bonus because your email or your website, that's where you could really put your sales pitch in there because you've avoided the stop words in your email. Your website, you have control over. If it's got good calls to action and great content, you may end up turning that uh, person reading your email into a potential client, customer, or a very engaged uh, advocate of your brand or business. I hope this information is very helpful for you. If you want to hear more about emails and email marketing, this is just the beginning. There's a whole lot that we can uncover here, and uh, there's just not enough time to do it just within one episode. So make sure you subscribe so you uh, get notified about future episodes here of The Discontent Show. And my name is Joe Kuzma, and I'm always encouraging all listeners out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. Hi folks, this is Joe Kuzma. (laughs) No, don't worry, you're not hearing things twice. I'm just here to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to today's show and being a follower and subscriber of the Discontent Podcast. And I want to remind you that if you're interested in more information about all the various things it is that I do, whether it be about this show, content marketing, or you want to ask a question, you may visit me at joekuzma.com. That's J-O-E-K-U-Z-M-A dot com. Or you can follow me as well on Facebook. Make sure you get the page and not the personal profile. Sorry, it's only for friends and family. Also on Twitter at Joe underscore Kuzma, LinkedIn or Instagram. Also, don't forget, if you haven't already, subscribe, whether that be on iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss out on any of the great episodes that we have. Once again, thank you again for your support. And I look forward, as always, to speaking and interacting with each of you again soon.